Welcome, everybody. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford, and it is time for the Power Hour. And uh, we've got kind of a historic show today. So I'm actually in the garage at Pittsburgh Power, and I've got Pete and Ethan live here with me in the coach, the uh, mobile studio. So we're going to be talking a lot about what's going on here in the garage, and we've got Bruce, Bruce with us as well. And we are also going to open up the phone lines right now. So, like I always tell you, you better get in early. This hour is going to go fast. We're only doing an hour today. And uh, it is going to go fast. And oh, uh, we're uh, we're going to get to calls, so you better line them up. If you dial right now, I promise you'll get through. If you wait, you may not. So, jump in and join us. Here's the number. 855-950-3835. Again, if you're listening live and you want to jump in and join us, anything maintenance related, anything about the truck itself, pick up the phone and join us. Um, got a lot of people here that can probably help you solve your problem. 855-950-3835. We'll get to the calls pretty quickly here, so line them up. All right, uh, Bruce, you're first today. Welcome back. What's on your mind? Oh, Kevin, I have lots of things. I'm a 28-year-old fellow from Alberta, Canada. He's buying his second new truck. He's been very successful, six axles, house cattle. And every time I talk to him, I said, well, you're, you're doing everything you're right and you're driving right. I said, did your father teach you how to drive? He said, no, you and Kevin did on the radio show. Really? Yeah. So I, I love that. That. Nice. that was nice to hear. Another 64-year-old owner-operator called me, listens to the show, but he has two younger sons that run 379 Pete's with cats, and they don't listen to the show, and he wants to put 264 gears in, and his kids are telling him that truck won't pull and it won't have enough power. Why are you doing such a stupid thing? And I said, I said I'm sorry to tell you, but your your sons are ignorant. They need to listen to the show and read the magazine articles, and then they would understand. But the people just don't seem to understand that. And here's what I tell people to do. If you're on a long grade and you're loaded and you're running 336, 355, 370 gears, whatever, and you got a 13 or an 18 speed or whatever transmission you have, look at your boost gauge, look at your exhaust gas temperature gauge, listen to the engine and the transmission. We want to hear you to hear the sound difference and look at the tachometer. Now, drop it down one full gear into direct gear. Put the RPM back to where it was. If it was 1,200, if it was 14 or 1,600, put the RPM back to where it was. Give it about 30 seconds to balance out. Now, see how many pounds less boost it takes. See how many degrees the exhaust gas temperatures come down. Listen to how much quieter the engine and the transmission is when you're in direct gear, one-to-one, -one, not turning over drive gears. And now play with the throttle up and down and feel the acceleration and the power that you don't have when you're in double over. 
Don't look at the speed because naturally we know you're going to be about six to seven mile per hour slower because you're down one full gear. But with the 264s or 247s, that's the feeling that you will have when you're up at your normal speed. That's you know, my second thing. Yeah. Uh, you one know, more, but go ahead. Yeah, let me let me comment on that because we talk about rear end gears and it's always confused me why drivers will say, Well, that gear won't pull or that gear is too fast or you know, we're talking about gears, so they obviously understand the concept of gears. Why don't they seem to understand the concept that before we get to the differential we could have anywhere from 10 to 18 gears that we can change that with. And after the differential, even the tire size acts like a gear. So you have three ways to kind of customize how much power you put to the ground, what RPM you're doing at what speed, and yet somehow everybody thinks that rear end number is the final answer. And it's just, it's just not. It's just one piece of that calculation. That's right. That's right. Now, here's a question for if anyone that's really into gears. Can a 247 ring and pinion be put into a housing that has a 355, a 336, or a 370? I was told once that it doesn't, but I know a lot of the newer Walmart trucks have 247s in them. And you may have to buy the whole housings if you want to go to the 247. For those of you who want to cruise at 70 mile an hour in direct, the 247 is the gear, not the 264. 264 at 70 mile an hour is roughly 1,560 RPM, which still isn't too bad. No, I, I sorry, I was uh, working with the call screener and technology there, but you're right. This this gearing thing, you know, and it's interesting that you started way back when and you were, you know, primarily performance and you came to the same conclusion about gearing. I was primarily fuel mileage. I came to the same things you wanted and did. And then, you know, we meet Joel, who's also been doing it for 30 years. And when it comes to gearing, Joel had all the same conclusions we both did. Uh, and yet it's so rare in the industry. All anybody talked about was rear-end ratio, and they all had their favorite. Well, I like this because it pulls better. It, well, it doesn't. It, 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 it's only one piece of that equation again. So, you know, I think it helped a lot over the last 10-plus years that we just keep talking about this. Mm-hmm. And then I just got off the phone and spent about a half hour with Con. He uh, he is an immigrant, came here f at age uh, 10. He's been working since he was 16. He's in Florida, and he hauls food. He has four trucks on, and he met us in 2012 at the CMC in Kansas City, and he really wants to see you do that again in Kansas City. And he said he learned so much. He said it was hard for him to go to sleep because he was learning so much at the CMC. But he buys a five-gallon pail of the Max Mileage Catalyst and his three other drivers put it in one ounce to 25-gallon. And he's been doing this for two and a half years and zero emission problems. And they're DD-15s in Freightliners. And his his haul is from Ormond Beach, Florida, over to Birmingham, Alabama, and back. 
And he says, I talk to other people that own a few trucks and they're spending ten and 12000 a year on emission problems. I explain to them what the max mileage catalyst does. He said, but they don't have a clue and they have closed minds. And yep. that's because they don't listen to the radio show or read the articles or get on our website. And you have to educate yourself. And I tell people, I said, you know, if I wanted to buy an airplane and I want to learn how to fly, before I went looking for an airplane, you know, I would be on the Internet and I'd be buying airplane magazines and I would be reading and I would teach myself how to fly that plane before I even went to look at it. And it's so easy to teach yourself today, but you've talked about that. So, yeah, it it really is. We have access to everything and anything you want to learn today. All right, great stuff. Uh, calls are one last starting. thing. One last oh, thing. Go ahead, Bruce. Go ahead. John Newby with the three seventy nine Pete with the C sixteen that we was at four mile of a gallon. He's at five point three five, and he has he he did the two sixty four gears. He loves them. Um, but he is at a standstill right now because he is in the convoy. And we talk every evening. He's in Hagerstown, and he said it's unbelievable the support they are getting from uh, the general public and how many people. And uh, who is the congressman from Texas? The uh, Cruz, Ted Cruz. Ted Ted Cruz was riding in the lead truck two days ago, and yep. uh, he, he, there's another fellow from Texas. I forget what his name was. He's coming and talking to the guys. But uh, there's a lot of people with cars and pickup trucks and motorhomes in this caravan, too. Yeah. You know, I was in it for a couple of days, and it, I got to see it. It was huge then, and it got bigger and bigger. I've been following it. Um, you know... It, every time this has been attempted in the past, we're going to take trucks to Washington. We're going to get them to change. I've been a huge critic. Most of them were not well organized. They had no real clue what they wanted to change or who needed to change it. If they had a list of demands, it was all over the board. I was very critical of them. I said, this is a bad idea. It's not going to work. And you're just going to piss off the public. This time when I saw how well the Canadian drivers organized theirs and what an amazing job they did and the support they got from people. Then we started hearing about convoys in the U.S. and I said, I really hope they're able to do what was done in Canada. They had a clear message, one real demand. Um, I don't know how they managed to keep all the behavior so good, but they have. Both groups have been amazing in my opinion. This is one of the first events like this that I've actually promoted and supported, and I still support them. They've done an amazing job. It's unfortunate that they, and they've been doing this for weeks and weeks now. These guys are going, look at fuel costs. They're putting fuel in their truck. They have no revenue. It, it's amazing that they're all still there doing this. That's dedication. It costs them a lot of money to get across the country. They're still doing it. It is just unfortunate that it's happening at at the same time as one of the biggest world events since World War II. Uh, the news coverage is nothing but Ukraine. We know the mainstream media wanted to ignore this group anyway, and they would have tried to ignore them, but now they have a huge excuse for being able to ignore them, and that's just a shame. The people are supporting them. The media is ignoring them. 
That's right. That's exactly All right. right. I see nothing on the news. Nothing. And when you do, it's almost like they go out of their way to try to say it wasn't as big. It wasn't. It fizzled out. It's yeah, So, yeah. Uh, kudos to everybody out there. I hope some of those people are listening. I think they're doing an amazing job uh, all around. All right, uh, we're going to move on. Phone lines are open. We've got some calls, but we also have some lines open. If you're listening on the live stream, 855-950-3835. All right, so we're going to move along. Ethan, you're up next. Welcome back. And Ethan, by the way, is right here in the studio. So uh, this is a first uh, what's on your mind today? Yeah, it's uh, live and in person. Live time. and in person. That's right. Sounds like it too. Yeah, a little different. Sounds Definitely good. different. Yeah. What uh, we've got a lot to talk about, don't we? We do have a few things there. So, so what's been going on with the coach from your end? So from our end, you know, we we definitely got to see what program was in it. Uh, definitely even showed you there what changes we were going to make and uh, how it's going to definitely make this uh, perk up a little bit there, but. Before we did that, we just went with the shop side, too. And what do we tell people all the time? Before you start trying to improve fuel mileage with add-ons or tunes or products, let's make sure everything about the engine and the truck works right first. And I knew we were probably going to find some major issues with mine because the engine's just so damn hard to get to on this thing. You know, it, it's it's not easy, and I thought, ah, the fuel mileage sucks anyway. I only use it 15 or 20,000 miles a year. Is it really worth it to tear the bedroom apart to get to the engine just to do a boost check? And so when it's here, you guys have all the tools, all the equipment, mechanics that know how, and it wasn't easy, but they managed to get to everything. Yeah, yeah, this one's definitely more crammed than even the average one. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff, just by a little bit, but in the process, you know, we also noticed a few other things that people sometimes overlook, um, and we even we're all guilty of that one. Yeah. Um, the muffler, what turned out to be a, a big one. Which, it's a catalytic converter, and... Uh, yeah, it's a weird hybrid Oh, is type. it really? Yeah, it, it's something special, we'll put it that way. It's oh, not your typical, what we would expect to see on a, a Class 8 truck. Now, you're right, I just totally overlooked this. When we talked about performance, every, we, we never thought, hey, wait a minute, this is a C13, that could be, and honestly, the muffler's actually really easy to get to. Yeah. It's not too bad. Yeah. And it, it's right there, so I should have thought about this the first day I bought this thing. And but, that kind of led to the simple test of just, you know, kicking it a few times and listening <laughs> to it and be like, ooh, that sounds solid. Um, and I peeked in it before I came up here, and it's just as bad as we expected. They have a, a flat plate and little holes drilled around the side, about an eighth inch in diameter, and there's not as many as you think there should be. Oh, boy. Um, so this is actually good news for me because I'm wondering why I've been losing fuel economy since I've had this. The catalyst I just started running at this trip was starting to clean things up, is getting a little better. But in reality, when I went back and looked at my records, I could do pretty close to six most of the time without a trailer before. Now I'm down closer to five. That's a pretty big drop, but I think we've identified some reasons why. Yeah, some big ones, too. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, the, the boost leak was horrendous. I posted a picture on health or on truckingtribe.com um, 
where we found the boost leak uh, near the turbos. And I have to say, I don't know about you guys, you're doing a lot of this. I don't know that I've ever seen a truck where we could pull the part off and say, here was the boost leak. Yeah, that's it's been going for a while there. Yeah, um, and it was a big one. Yeah, not just a little it one. It was I mean, a big leak. That O-ring was just gone. Yeah. Yeah, so explain to them what part that is and, and what we're talking about here. So on, on your truck, the way it's set up here, there is an intake horn that has a O-ring bolted to it um, right on the side of the, the head. And that O-ring, well, blew out and for some time has only been getting worse and worse. And that, what is that, like four-inch piping? Three or four. Yeah. Three or four. So we're talking about big piping, and when you look at the metal piece we took off, you can see the burn marks and the soot marks of where that leak was happening, and it's almost three-quarters of that whole diameter. Yeah. So yeah. It, it was gushing pretty good. Yeah. And, and one of the mechanics made a good point. He said, we need to get this piece back in and do another boost test because this could have been hiding another leak somewhere. Well, yeah, and since it's in a coach here, it's really hard in the engine bay when it starts to leak pinpoint exactly. Is, is that the only one? Because it fills up and there's no way to get the air out to it pinpoint looked like, it. It looked like somebody let off a smoke bomb underneath the engine. Yeah, and it's not what we want to see. Right. <laughs> right. But... There's two big things that I think are good news. Now we fix them. I should see significant performance improvement, I think, from just those two. And, in fact, I don't want you to we'll talk about the program, but I don't want to put the program in until I go drive this just after those two mechanical fixes. Yeah, then, then we'll do a tune and take yeah. it for another ride. Yeah, sounds good. So we'll come back to the tune. Um, I want to hear from Pete. Pete, wait, welcome. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on a second. What's what's the moral of this story, Kevin? <laughs> Bruce, I tried to I tried to explain why I didn't take care of this stuff, but uh, you're right. No, no, no. I should. No. You know, we tell people, you know, just get your truck in once a year or every other year, and let's just check things over. You've got relatives and a lot of family. Right there, 140 miles away, you need to come see them more often, and you need to come see us more often. You you are correct, because watching these guys and what they had to go through, and two of them and lots of tools and a lot of time, it's why as much as I would like to do it myself, I just haven't. And you're right. The thing to do is just bring it here. It'll get done, and it's all getting done, mm -hmm. which is awesome. Yeah, good point. Okay. All right, Pete. Well, it's great to have you here. We're live. This is kind of awesome. I like this. This is great. Yeah. I'm enjoying this. Yeah. So uh, I don't see any reason why we might not be able to do this at the truck show, too. We'll be traveling Tuesday. Um, yeah, maybe no, we we'll, travel Wednesday. Maybe we should just do a special episode since we're all there together. We can do that. Now, it's kind of weird. we got to look at the timing. Like, what day does the show open? Thursday, Thursday might be our best bet because it opens late, right? Yes. Noon? Well, it uh, opens at 10. VIP is... Uh, Nobody's ever there. Right. Yeah. Yes. So They need to eliminate that. We could just, on, uh, on Thursday at Matt's, let's just plan this now while we're talking about it. Thursday okay. at Matt's, we'll go live at 10, my okay. early slot, the live slot, and then we'll be done by 11, and you guys will still have time to get into the booth. Sound like a plan? Yeah, great. Hey, hey Bruce. Great. Is Bruce going to be? Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, I thought so. Um, 
I'll, I'll be what, in doing what about that. You, Bruce? I'll I, be at the I booth know. because that we do get a lot of people for that VIP. Okay. So Bill and I will take care of that and whoever. Um, and then we're going to have Jordan. Bill Jordan and I will take care of it. And we'll let Pete and Ethan do the show. All right. So, Pete, what's on your mind this week? So, following up with your, your coach. Yeah. So, you know, as far as the boost leak, normally we check it at the turbo. And on this coach, we had to do it to air cleaner, kind of do it a little bit backwards, which were the same results. Yeah. But because yeah. of the application. Yeah, they actually ended up going through the wheel well to get some access to things. We tried from the back, we tried from the top, we tried from underneath, and then finally they managed to get through some of it through the wheel well. And, and as far as the, the exhaust system, generally we know most stock mufflers are restrictive, and what really pointed, pointed us in that direction is the way the truck smelled or the coach smelled when we would run it. We had in a shop in Island, and she had a strong odor to it, it's like an uh, incomplete combustion. Yeah, it That's was what brought us to that. Like, hey, maybe we've got some restriction going on here. It was a strange odor. It really was. So something weird was happening, and it was probably that catalytic converter and just everything that's in it. Well, the boost leak would only make that worse because you're getting true. soot through there in excessive amount, too. Soot and, yeah, so it's it's not surprising what I've been dealing with, and this is what we found. And both of these problems are pretty major. They're not. It wasn't a little leak. It's not a little bit of obstruction. What do we say the worst thing to do to a diesel engine? Starve it for air. Carpet. I, I wasn't getting air in, wasn't getting air out. No wonder why I hate the performance on this thing. It would have been nice if we were able to check back pressure, which is a test we can do. It would have just been too hard on the coach. No access. Yeah. I can only imagine how high the back pressure was. I bet it was crazy. And, and we know that we were probably building no boost pressure at all. My God, I might as well have been running naturally aspirated, huh? Well, that and you'd be running hot, too. Even if the yeah. wastegate on the turbo didn't open in time, you're spinning it faster, compressing more air, making more heat, yeah. and then efficiency down with it getting pumped right back out before it makes it to the actual engine. Absolutely. All right. Anybody have anything else we want to talk about today? Nope. No, nope, we've got calls. So uh, let's go find out what everybody else wants to talk about. We're going to get started in Colorado. Rodney, welcome to the program. Oh, hold on. What did I do? Well, let me try that again. There we go. Rodney, welcome. Oh, no, Rodney just disappeared. Let's, uh, hey, Angie, see if you can get Rodney back on. I'm not sure what happened with that call, but we can go to... Uh, Raymond, welcome to the program. How you doing? I have a question for uh, uh, Pittsburgh Power Team. Uh, I I believe I remember Bruce saying that he has a guy, uh, an older gentleman that inspects trucks before you spend the money on rebuilding them. Uh, Hawkeye, is that right? A Hawkeye Report, yes, that's Adam. Well, uh... What kind of an appointment do you need for that, and how expensive is that? I'm going to be in Butler, Pennsylvania. This Anybody? Um, as far as getting an appointment, um, right now we're pretty backed up, but we do have some open days here and there, especially for 
a relatively small job like that. Um, call the shop, ask for Eric in service, and he can check the schedule, and we'll do our best to get you in. Yeah. And the Hawkeye is generally a couple hours labor, so you're looking at like 250 And then he'll go over a list of, of what he found wrong and then what it would cost to fix it. Now, this Hawkeye report usually is front to back and not not blow-by and not dyno testing and stuff like that. The blow-by and dyno testing would be done by the engineering department. But the Hawkeye report is an overall picture of the truck. Got it. So if, All you, right. if and you're thinking the engine needs rebuilt and you want that checked out, that would be Ethan's department. And Got we can it. get All you right. in. All we need to do is a, a day or two notice. We can get you in for that. Perfect. Hey, I do want to go back to something I wanted to talk about at the open. Uh, we just had so much going on. So Bill took me across the street this morning, and uh, I got to see the new building and the OPS operation. And I got to tell you, um, and I've said this in the past, it, I, when I was first introduced to the OPS, it was by Tom Bach. Tom was just amazing, um, still is. Uh, and I loved the product. And we love the results we get from the product. And then a couple of years later, I got a chance to visit the factory in, uh, they were in Connecticut, right? Yeah, they were in Connecticut. And I was a little shocked. Uh, the company just wasn't that well run. Um, they had an awesome product, but there were certainly a lot of things they could have improved on. And over the years, they went through multiple CEOs. Very few people had any trucking background. So they every time a new CEO would come in, They'd want me to spend a day with them and try to get them up to speed. And, you know, I'd make recommendations like you should probably get out of that oil field business. It's just distracting you. You should probably have a more efficient line to build these things. And nothing ever changed. And, Bruce, you and I never talked about this. Nobody here ever asked me about anything. But when I went over and saw how you guys have that line set up and – um, how they're being built, it is a huge improvement on an amazing product. So I got to say, you guys did an awesome job setting that up. And um, now I think it's exactly what this company needed. It was a great product. They needed somebody that knew how to run it and build them and service them. And you guys have done an amazing job. And then I got to learn, I, I, had, I had actually gone through their line back in Connecticut and built one. So I, I knew how the whole line worked. I knew how to put one together, all the pieces and parts. So to see your operation. And then the funny thing was, I, I'm walking around on the flow. And I said, you know what this reminds me of? I said, your flow reminds me of the way I designed my kitchen. I One step in any direction at any time, and I can always reach the things I need. There's not a lot of walking around and wasted time. And, oh, I'm sorry, I just forgot his name. Who's over there building him? Steve. Steve. Steve looked at me and he kind of laughed and he said, I was a chef for years. <laughs> I can tell you set this thing up just like you would set up a kitchen and it's awesome. So that was funny. But then I got to learn something totally new. I got to go over to the DPF room. What an incredible process that is. I had no idea what that DPF goes through in that process. It is multiple steps and some of the steps even get repeated but it's incredible 
I, I had no idea what that process was all about. You guys have an amazing setup there, too. I can't believe how small and efficient that area is. It doesn't feel crowded, but you've got a lot going on in that little space. It's amazing what $76,000 worth of EPF cleaning equipment will do. It is. It, it's an incredible process. I mean, you can tell that all of that equipment was built for one thing, to clean a DPF as good as you can yeah. possibly clean one. That thing's got to come out of there like new. And all the DPF franchisees have that. Have that what, a, what a great thing. Boy, yeah. yeah. So it, it's really amazing now, Bruce, to see how all the years we've been talking about all these products, you've developed so many of these things that, you know, you're, you and your team that keep the emissions running. And now for me to be here and be in the garage and go over and see that, it really all comes together to me now. And honestly, there's nothing like it anywhere else in the country. There's nobody running a shop like this. Congratulations, by the way. It's, it's really incredible. Thank you. The uh, OPS is Bill and Steve did all that. So let's give those two credit for that. Yeah, it is uh it it is a very very cool setup and the other thing um I I kind of remember this from the early days they they had like tolerances. Well, okay, one out of 100 wasn't exactly the way we kind of wanted it and they they seemed a little casual about it. And Steve is like the the quality control Nazi. I mean, he was telling me, like, oh, no, we do not tolerate any. If, if it's wrong, we're going to fix it. Every unit that's going out of here is correct. It was just really good to hear that. Mm -hmm. Hey, did you see any trucks getting detailed at Long Haul? Um, he wanted to take me over there, actually, because I need to talk to them. Um, I need to see if they have a couple. He told me they used to run kind of a chrome shop, so they had some of those parts in there. Here I am talking about performance in Chrome. What's going on with me? Um, I need a couple of little Chrome parts for my wheels. The damn trip across the country was so rough, I lost a couple of things. But I just didn't have time. I spent so much time going through the OPS stuff and the DPF stuff. I just ran out of time, and I had to get back over here. But after the show, I want to go see that. Yeah, go back over and see they do a phenomenal job at detailing trucks. I'll see yeah. the before and after, and it's just shocking. Yeah, let's. Uh, I just happened to look over, and the board just filled up. This is usually how it goes. So we're going to jump into some calls so we can get to as many as we can. We are off to Missouri this time. Grant, welcome. Hey, everybody. Uh, just a quick question on exhaust. Uh, I've got an MX-13, and I'm starting to get a light white haze on my frame and rear end where the exhaust comes out. And I'm worried that might be coolant. Um, what do you think? I would, I would think it's more DEF. I was hoping you'd say that. <laughs> but I'm going to let Ethan answer that one because he's the engineer on the emission system side. So. Yeah, and it's not uncommon, especially in the winter time, to get built up like that. Okay. All I could see was dollar signs all over my truck, so <laughs> yeah, I'll it's just let it go. Not uncommon. Um, and that's one thing nice, too. Do you track the the, the, the def consumption 
uh, you know, mouse yes. or gallon. Yeah. So have you seen any changes? Um, it changes a couple hundred miles every time I fill it up to the good or the bad. It just depends where I'm driving. Okay. But the, the nice thing is if it's nothing out of the ordinary is what I was trying to get, get at there. No. No, it's not. Everything's running good, and the oil samples aren't showing anything abnormal. Are you yeah, running the max mileage catalyst? Absolutely. Okay, good. So matter you're matter running... fact, I'm going I'm I'm to see Rick Walker today and get some more. Oh, he's a great guy. He, he is. You know, he really misses not owning trucks. He. Yeah. Does he, uh, when you meet with him, does does he want to talk for a while? Yes, which I enjoy. Yeah, he's a he's a great guy. I first met him, I think, he at the Iowa Truck Jamboree and then at the CMCs. And uh, he didn't think he would miss trucks. He had, I think, six of them on with FedEx, and he sold them. And he's uh, he's truck lonely right now. <laughs> Yeah, I enjoy. I always enjoy talking to the veterans because I always learn something. Yeah, good guy. All right, well, thank you, gentlemen. You have a great day. You are welcome. Thanks for the call. We are going to move on. We're going to head off to New York. Jeff, welcome to the program. Jeff, are you with us? Yes, I am. Sorry, I'm just just kicking my tires right now, doing a walk around. Well, you know that's not very accurate, right? When was the last time your foot well, was calibrated? Well, you know, it's better than not checking them. You're right. We'll give you that. What's on your mind today? Um, well, after hearing your conversations about your uh, motor coach, it's kind of geared. It's got me thinking if I'm going to buy one, it's not going to be a rear motor. It's going to be a Super C. Uh, like a, a Renegade? kind of thing yes yes okay after hearing I, the headaches I, you've been having it's like you know i you know it, and it's still not an easy choice i looked at renegade really hard mostly and and back then i wasn't even thinking about access i was just thinking that you know building an rv on a class 8 chassis just makes sense because we're in trucking you know, it's it's why I like right. to have the trailer and the tractor when we when we did it that way but the the big thing for me and us when we travel it's usually really hectic it's a, it's mostly business it's mostly events we're we're plus we still have to work we have to do the show for the road we have all the driving to do so my schedule gets so crazy that we wanted the most convenient option for example setting up a fifth wheel takes when you get to a park or anywhere getting out of the truck, setting up the fifth wheel, getting everything done takes about three right. times longer than it does on the coach. Um, so that was why we went to a coach. And when we looked at Renegade, we lost a little bit of interior space, usable interior space by going with that, that front unit. And, and that was an issue. Yep. It's two of us and a dog and we're working and doing radio shows. So every bit of space is critical. And then the bigger factor for me was Renegade's the best builder out there for that type of platform. And honestly, I'm not all that impressed with the quality of the house. The quality of the truck I love, and it's a semi, and I love right. driving them. And that, but the engine's there. I can hear it. I can 
feel the, the performance. I, I love that part. But honestly, you know, the quality of the build on the house to me is almost like third tier. And it, it, it and I understand why they're all super custom built, so they're already expensive. They had to cut costs where they could, but um, we just kind of really like the quality of the build on this one inside. And since we, you know, work in it, and this, this is really a working unit, um, that's kind of why we decided. But there's a lot to be said for that front engine setup. Right, Kevin. What, can what I add something brand to that? You have now. Uh, to Country Coach. Okay. So Country Coach kind of considered second tier. You know, it's not a, it's not built on a Prevo chassis, although Country Coach had a model for a while built on a Prevo. Um, but it's not like a marathon or it, it's next tier, but it, it's still a big jump from that to what they consider kind of third tier. And we know right. that we are hard on this thing. I mean, when I use it, it gets used. I drive it like a sports car. I take it out in the desert. Um, you know, right. I go four-wheeling with it. We're working. So we we kind of abuse this thing, and the quality really, really helps. Uh, Bruce, what did you want to say? Peter Grimm, who had uh, – he collects Brockway trucks. He's from up by Brockway, New York. He had a Prevo, and he just recently sold it. He said every time he takes it, and I think his was a Liberty. I'm not sure whether oh, yeah. it was a Liberty or a Marathon. Every time he took it in, it was a minimum $10,000, and he usually left with the same problem he went in with. And he just had, um, he just spent about a half a million on a um, on a Renegade, on a new truck chassis, and he absolutely loves it. And he's you know, thrilled with the interior. So they might have come a long way because they're building a lot for for the country western singers. So I will well, I would I would look at a renegade again if I was I'll, looking I'll look at again, especially when I hear that price. Are you sure he had one built for that price? What size is it? I you know. Don't know. I don't know. And I just, just recently just spoke to, to him about that uh, six weeks ago. Yeah, just to compare, I don't know what year his Liberty or Marathon was, but you, if you go to build a Liberty or a Marathon today, they start at one point five million. Right. 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 So I think to, the to get with the forty five footers is pushing like six hundred, seven hundred thousand. Okay. I might I be thought. wrong on the price, but I can tell you he loves it. Now Good. he's a truck guy. And he loves driving the truck part of it, and he said he doesn't have any of the problems that he had associated with the Prevo. Well, you know, honestly, as much as I love the new engines, and and look, if I could just wave a magic wand and say I get to build any coach I want, I would have to find out why I don't see anybody building on the Volvo bus chassis. Because that is a beautiful, beautiful chassis, super high quality, all Volvo, all Volvo drive line. That would be one. Um, or the other is I would like to go back to uh, something like a Renegade, but I'd actually like to go back to one with maybe a Series 60 or an N14, and I could work on it myself. You could do that. They would yeah. build on that. Yeah, I would. If, if I were going to order a Renegade, I think I would pick one of those two engines and I'd uh, and then now you have access to the engine I could do a lot of the work myself which I would enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. 
All right, we uh, we are going to move on because we've got calls, and I want to get to them before we've got to wrap this up. We will be wrapping up right at the top of the hour, so uh, we'll get a couple more in here. Let's go to Tennessee. Brandon, welcome to the program. Hi there. How y'all doing? Good. What's on your mind today? I had uh, talked to uh, Bruce and Pete uh, back about a year ago. I just bought my first uh, emissions truck. I've uh, I've been trucking all my life, but I bought a uh, a 2021 Kenworth uh, back last December or December four last. And uh, I was just wondering what I need to be looking for on this thing now. Uh, I've run a I started a oil sample on this truck. I've run been running samples on it over 25,000 miles. I've got 154,000 on it now, and. Uh, you know, the book reads that I don't need to run the overhead to about 250. And I've heard you guys talking about, you know, doing it the old way where we used to do it at, at 100. And uh, I'm just just trying to get some thoughts on it. I have run the catalyst in this motor since it was new. You know, it performs good. You know, it's a little sluggish. But, uh, you know, I'm just getting some general insight on the maintenance on these new motors. First of all, on the sluggishness, uh, our engineering department can take that out of there. That's just babysitters. And one number two is it never hurts to reset the overhead earlier than what the factory calls for. Yeah. So uh, what do we question, say in like maybe a year, 100,000 miles or so on that? Once a year. Yeah. Okay, once a year. Yeah. You know, I, I find that some things it's easier to just write it on the calendar and do it at the same time. Like all my cars get the oil changed around Christmas. I'll, I'll remember it, and I only change them once a year, and, you know, it seems to work great. And I just do it at Christmas, and it's easier to remember. And when they're doing the overhead, they can check for a boost leak. Good point. You know, look it yeah. over. Is there any oil leaks, fuel leaks, anything needs checked out, check codes. Got it. It's worth so, doing. So, Pete, right. if you had a new X-15, would you set the overhead once a year? Yes. Mm-hmm. You would, keep huh? in mind, I think a lot of people are going more than 100,000 miles a year. Yeah, and that's true. That's you know, some guys are doing one hundred and fifty thousand. I mean, I know single drivers that put that much on. So, yeah. and then we should probably um, we should probably adjust that for a team, maybe nine months. Most teams don't do double, but I, I would say maybe nine months for a team operation. I, I We're think what I would, mileage. I think what I would do is do it at around a hundred thousand. And then maybe do it at 250, and see if there was any change. Write down how many thousands it was on the valves, and is there an adjustment on the injectors, Pete, on the X15? Yeah, they're camshaft. No, no, because they're common oh, rail. Nope, those are common okay. rail. All right. So just write down on the valves, and then at 250, and if there was hardly any change, I would probably go another 200, 250 up closer to 500,000 and then check it and write it down what the settings were and then you can determine yourself what the wear ratio is and uh, maybe there's none okay uh another question i had is i've when i spoke to you, you know i'm kind of landlocked i've got one customer i haul for and uh you know i don't generally get about 200 225 miles away from the house and uh, there's no no one around me remote. I'm over in western Tennessee, and 
would it be where any of y'all could do any tuning at the uh, show next week? If I brought my truck up to the show? Yeah. Yeah, we'll be able to tune it. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's another question. Like I said, you know, I, I'm pretty well I'm pretty well dedicated right. to this one guy. And, uh, you know, it's five, six days a week. I've got to stay right around here and keep this stuff covered. Why was the lap, Kevin? Uh, just because I saw the face on all the people who will be out there doing the tunes when you said that. You've got to give us a heads up. That's right. That's right. Well, are uh, you going to bring the tuning kit, Pete? We can do that. We can do yeah. that. I'll make a note to do that. I have one to do in Denver when I fly back in on Sunday. So, Well, there you go. Right. Well, that's a good thing. Hey, this one in how then. This one in Denver, speaking of gearing, the guy made a mistake. He does heavy haul, doesn't leave the city of Denver, but he put 410 gears in it. Oh, boy. And he's way up there in the RPM range, you know, 16, 17, 1800, and it just doesn't work. Yeah, I'll bet. All right, we, uh, we're going to grab one more call. Uh, and it looks like it's going to be an oil sample. So I've got to, uh, I'm going to grab the call and then I'm going to go look for the sample. So Todd in Michigan, it's your turn. Welcome. Hey, how you guys doing? Um, doing? So I showed you my first oil samples and there was some wear metals, but it was kind of weird. And I've got a PDI tune in my truck and you guys were thinking that it could be the tune. And then, but you suggested changing oil. So I finally switched, and I, I went from my Valvoline to the um, the only thing I could get at the time was the Dello uh, synthetic, the Chevron stuff. And this oil sample came back. It, I mean, it says it's not not to worry about, but it's got weird stuff like high boron. And okay, so let me stop you there. I don't have the okay. sample yet. I'm trying to pull it up, but as uh, you're looking you're at that sample. Everything mm-hmm. over in the top line from about the center all the way to the right, yep. those are all either uh, multi-source metals or they are additive metals, and you can just ignore them. I've been saying for years I wish they would just take that section off the oil sample. We never okay. really use it for anything useful, and it confuses people. All they're doing okay. is looking at things that are supposed to be in the oil. That boron is supposed to be there. Um, okay. Some oils have molly. Molly should be there, but then other oils don't have molly, so it won't be there. And it just confuses people. It, it's just the okay. additive package. And I've even found inconsistencies where the same brand and everything even the additive packages on those aren't consistent. Like all okay. of a sudden, one of them is showing high boron, for example, but it never matters. So all of that I wish they would take off. We can just ignore it. Okay. That's what I wonder if maybe it was that kind of situation. And, and then uh, the other thing I was going to mention, so when you guys looked at this, and I don't did you ever did you ever able to find it there? I, I am looking at it right now. Uh, are you using okay. Catalyst? Yes. Okay, so that's the high iron, so we can ignore that because it's not it's not hurting anything. It's just part of the catalyst. Um, okay. Your base is low, but that's not a big deal. Um, we can either add base, throw a filter on with base. 
you've got no fuel dilution. Soot for an X15 at 0.6 is nothing to really worry about. Viscosity is right on for this oil. And other than iron, all of your wear metals are low. Your silicon is right where we want to see it. No sodium and potassium. This is just about a perfect sample, really. Okay. All right. Because I, I was wondering, you know, <clears throat> back when I sent the first two and there was some wear metals, but then I found out um, when I was, uh, they were having issues with their exhaust manifold leaking, so they were changing it. Well, they found oil dripping. Well, long story short, valve guide seals were leaking, and the exhaust um, valve guide seals were beat up pretty good. They had never seen anything. And then that's why I was wondering maybe if some of those wear metals from before were in there. Um. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. I didn't even really pay attention to that line because it was four oil samples back. But mm-hmm. I just had this happen again on an X-15. Pete, Bruce, any of you guys? So out of the blue, we went from a reading of six on lead, which is pretty much nothing. I mean, nothing to worry about. Zero on copper. Then the next mm-hmm. sample, it jumps up to 10 on lead, 30 on copper. And then the next sample after that, it goes back to four and one. And since that sample, no real letter copper. I just had this happen on another X-15. Got a weird reading. Lead and copper went from next to nothing. They jumped up one sample, and then they came back down again. And it seemed Mm -hmm. odd. Anybody have any reason why we might see something like that? No. I mean, other than... A contaminated sample. It's I mean, almost generally it, like that can't go down. Uh, right. Once you start that wear, it's almost impossible to stop the wear, especially once you get to the copper, because you know your lead's kind of gone. But it was like even I had enough history to know we shouldn't be seeing copper off the bearing. There was never enough lead there. But they both showed up at the same time and then both went right back down. I think I have a sample I was looking at this week that the bearing material was up and down. And it it was on the same oil. So they did oh. one at 25,000 miles. Okay. They did one at 50 and another one at 75 and then changed it at 75. Um, well, they, they were going to change it afterwards. But um, it was up and down. So it should be two, four, six. It should climb steady or at least just stay the same. It should did that truck happen to have an OPS? Do you remember? Yes. Yeah. And it hey, was um, DD15. Hey, Todd, do you happen to have an OPS or a bypass filter? No, I don't. Not yet. I want one and just haven't gone and done it. But no. I was almost I just, wondering uh, if we had some buildup and then the filter actually got it out, which is unusual because wear metals are usually too small to filter back out. That's just a weird pattern. I mean, could it huh. could it have had anything to done with those valve guide seals being bad, or no? I don't On think so. There. I don't think yeah. so. Okay. Huh. I mean, well, the good news is, place, you know, and I even told the other guy, just keep an eye on your oil pressure. But I mm-hmm. think it's just some weird anomaly. We're going to have to figure out why it, why it does that. But once it goes away, there's really nothing to look at. I mean, it, it's gone, right. so uh, everything's fine. I guess we'll just have to keep an eye on these patterns and see if we can figure something out. And with that, I just looked at the clock and uh, 
I don't have to be what right happened? to the second the way I, I used to, but uh where's our second hour? Um I can't we're not ready yet. I, I uh actually we might be ready. I just have too much to do today. Um plus I Bruce, all this fun stuff is happening in my coach. I want to go play with it now. <laughs> You're in the candy store shop, see that's I the know. problem. So I, I you know the mechanics have done just such a great job of finding the boost leak. Ethan found the muffler and, and catalytic converter and said, we need to talk about that. So I'm thinking as bad as those two things are, I want to fix those and then go drive it before we mess with the tune. So we've got to get it put back together. I've got to go drive it. Then I got to bring it back. Then we got to do the tune. Then I got to go drive it again. So I want to go have some fun. Okay. All right, I'll let you slide this time. All right, next time, promise, we're going back to two hours, and then it won't okay. be long, and we'll have you guys set up so you can do your own shows, plus this one. All right. It's going to get even better. All right, um, Pete, Ethan, anything we want to uh, close out with? It's awesome having you guys here. This was fun. It was fun. Yeah, sorry. Great. Good. Very much different. All right, we'll wrap this up. Thanks, everybody. We had, uh, I think we peaked at close to about uh, 500 listeners today. And that's, wow. we're, we're not even telling many people about this, so that's pretty awesome. And they, they've been there the whole time. Almost nobody dropped off, so that's amazing. Um, we will see you back here tomorrow. Uh, I think I, I'm not sure of my travel schedule yet, so I might try. We'll do an hour for sure. I might try to do a second hour of Destination Health tomorrow, so we will see. We'll see you then. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford.